And we welcome you to episode number six of the Diamond Discussions podcast. Uh, Ethan Carter and Jay with you. A uh, lot of action over the last couple of weeks. And um, thanks for the clap there. That was awesome. A uh, lot of action. A couple of trades that went down. A couple of uh, couple signings. Well, one, I guess you could say. Um, we had a lot to get to. Uh, your thoughts moving uh, into this and uh, how much action you think we could see over the next few weeks. Well, episode six, finally getting into the uh, the hot stove, the, right. the action. Uh, we do have a lot to discuss, and there's a lot on the pipeline as well. So uh, let's get right down to it, huh? Okay. First off, we'll start out with this trade that we discussed last year, the potential proposal uh, from Dan O'Dowd on MLB Network, which is terrible. Um, I think the deal ended up getting done as uh, – Edwin Diaz and Robin Zagano both head over to the New York Mets. Uh, Jared Kelenic, uh, what's the what's the Dunn kid's first name? Pitcher, what, how do I not know I his first know. name? I should put his last name on here. Uh, Jay Bruce, Anthony Swarzak, and something Dunn. I can't believe I don't know that. But Kelenic, I believe he was a first-round pick a couple years ago. Uh, I think he's only 19 or 20. Very good prospect. Um but I must say this, and I don't. I think that this was the type of trade where both sides kind of benefited on both ends. Um, the The problem with the Mets, though, for me, I think, is that you're getting Robinson from age 36 to age 41, and you're going to be paying him in those years. How productive do you expect him to be? I think a big thing for the Mets though in this deal is that you're getting Edwin Diaz, who was the best closer in baseball a year ago. He's got multiple years um, of control. I think this it's hard to it's hard to judge a deal um, in early stages, especially when it involves prospects because you never know how those guys uh, are going to end up. But I think overall I would give a slight edge to the Mariners on this deal just because I think that's how good the prospects are, and you're you know not having to pay the rest of the Cano deal for five years. You're giving them I think they gave them twenty mil, which is you know whatever. But I think the prospect deal. Uh, for the Mariners overall, gives them a little bit of a little bit of a better deal. Swarzak's a good reliever; he'll be solid for you. Jay Bruce, as long as he is in Seattle, I don't think that's going to be very long, but he'll probably produce at a decently high level. But um, I'll give the slight edge to the Mariners on this deal. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, I was uh, surprised. Well, I'm. I guess the return for Cano, or I mean, uh, not Cano, Diaz is uh, understandable with the prospects they got. Uh, but the Mets, I mean, they're, they're kind of hoping that Cano is going to be, you know, a slight version of his former MVP caliber self. Uh, I mean, the Mets are making all these moves, and, you know, they still have the the players that they, you know, started with last year. They're still going to have hope that they're going to stay healthy. But, uh, I mean, the Mariners, they uh, – Definitely doing some kind of retooling. And uh, to, go, to go back on that deal, it was Justin Dunn and also Gerson Bautista. Yeah, Gerson Bautista. Okay. I knew that. I just I forgot about that guy as well. Um, let's see. Uh, let me look the the Mariners' pipeline. Um, where do those guys rank for the Mariners? Let me, let me take a look see so I can really get a gauge on what this deal is uh, overall. I probably should have looked that up beforehand. But... I think this is going to be the type of deal that, um, in the end, I think it will it'll work out in some form on both ends, but I think there's a little bit more upside benefit um, for the Mariners. Your laptop is really loud. 
he sucks. Justin Dunn is now number three in the Mariners system. Uh, Jared Kalenic, Kalenic is number two. Justice Sheffield is number one who they got in the Paxton deal. So they have some very good prospects. What, uh, they've been at. What's Kalenic see play? Outfield. He is um, he is 19 years old. He's not going to be 20 until next July. He was the number six overall pick in last year's draft, and he's number 62 overall. So he, it's looking like he's going to be a stud. We all know how good Justice Sheffield is, number 31 overall, number four among left-handed pitchers, 22 uh, years old, the first-round pick for Cleveland in 2014. Um, so, yeah, that's – I would definitely give the edge here to the Mariners. Do you think the Mariners won the deal? Yes. Because you never know if Edwin Diaz, he's not going to repeat what he did last year. That would be very It's still going to be good, but it, that's close to asking. It's going to depend on if the Mets are going to give him the save opportunities. But the we'll Mariners, we'll the Mariners, they've made what three big trades so far. Yep. So yeah, they are definitely stockpiling their farm system. Well, that's where we shift over to the next one, and hoping to be good in the next. Gene few years. Segura, Juan Nicasio, and James Pazos to the Philadelphia Phillies for Carlos Santana and J.P. Crawford. I will tell you this. I did not understand this deal at all on the Mariners' end. J.P. Crawford's a, probably going to be a pretty good shortstop, but how good is he going to be? I think that's a big question. Uh, Carlos Santana, why? I don't even understand this. This just feels like the Phillies being like, we don't need him. We can move Reese Hoskins right back over to first base and be fine with it. I don't get this deal at all. This is easily Phillies winning this deal because Gene Segura is a good player, and Nicasio and Pazos are okay relievers. It's not like they're bad relievers. So I didn't understand this deal at all for the Mariners. So I think they're they're probably 1-1-1 one, one, and one because I would say that the Yankees deal, they get Justice Sheffield, that's big. But um, what do you think? Yeah, it's kind of, uh, kind of curious. Uh, I mean, Carlos Santana can always slot to the DH if they lose out on Cruz. They're uh, not going to get Cruz. But, I mean, J.P. Crawford, he's he's not, like, going to be an elite. Let me ask you this. He's not like a Med Rosario but I mean, well, let me ask you this real quick. Why would Nelson Cruz want to go back to that team? I'm just saying. I'm, go ahead. Well, yeah, okay. I know he was on their last year, but why? I mean, they're trading Segura like Segura, by the way. <coughs> <laughs> like they they already know that they're not going to be competing next year. So Mitch Haniger could be next, and I, you know what I'm doing? If I am the Washington Nationals, the Atlanta Braves. Or any team that needs an outfielder, I the Rockies. I'm calling Jerry Depoto. I'm saying, what the hell do you want for Mitch Haniger? He's what 27 years old. He's a solid outfield option. In that situation, they could ask for a little more. If you don't, okay. If you're the Atlanta Braves and you don't bring Marquez back, there's been I've seen some rumblings that he could retire. If you don't bring him back, trade for Mitch Haniger. That lineup instantly becomes the best in that division. You have. Brian McCann and Tyler Flowers behind the plate. Freddie Freeman at first. Ozzie Albies should have a bounce back here. Dansby Swanson can't hit. We know that. He'll be an eight-hole hitter. Uh, Josh Donaldson at third base. Acuna in left. Inciarte in, in center. Hanager in right. That'd be a very, very good lineup. We forget about Zanino and Colome. They got traded. The, those were huge. I mean, the return for Colome was what Omar Navarez and then the Zanino deal. I don't even remember who... who uh, Malik Smith. I think we talked about it. We Braves, did. We right? did. Yeah. We didn't talk about Kyle. That's, that's four, well, five trades so far, and they still could trade Kyle Seeger, too. 
Kyle Seager's an interesting guy. Uh, Kyle Seager's a good defensive third baseman. His offensive numbers have lacked over the last few years, but I think he'd be a nice little little bench bat or maybe a third baseman. Since, on since Andrew's only 27, it'd probably take an overwhelming uh, trade for them to move okay, him. Okay, but the Atlanta Braves are in nearly the same situation as the St. Louis Cardinals in terms of how many great young pitching prospects they have. The Braves probably have more. They are loaded in their farm system. They could easily just drop a couple of those guys into a deal like that. Like They have so much. And then you look at, they have the money. Hey, go out and get Dallas Keuchel. I'm telling you, this Braves team is really looking like they could shape up and be a um, serious contender in the National League alongside probably the Dodgers, well, Cubs. Well, definitely in the NL East. I mean, they've, they've got that. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to rule out Bryce Harper going back to the Nationals. I wouldn't rule that out just yet. I mean, it's almost like the uh, the Nationals are expecting them to compete. Well, let's go back over the Nationals. Patrick Corbin, the left-handed reliever. Or, wow. Left-handed, <laughs> left-handed starter. Uh, probably the biggest name. Even though pitching game. I wouldn't even say he's the best left-handed starter on the market, to be honest. But he goes to the Washington Nationals for six years and 140 mil. I have a lot of opinions on this deal, um, but let's get to yours first. What do you think about the deal for Corbin and the Nats? I mean, like I said, it's it's the Nationals. They're expecting to compete. It would it would seem, um, whether it be with Harper or whether you know without. I think that the Mike Rizzo talked about how that they're uh, moving on without him. I mean, they're they're not expecting him to come back. Well, they have but, so many outfield prospects. <clears throat> but I mean, I think. Uh, what you're kind of saying is that uh, Corbin, he had one good year last year, and Keuchel has had more good years. So a lot of people th- they think the Nationals overpaid, but I think it's a solid addition to the rotation who's definitely needed some help. With uh, Scherzer and Strasburg. If Strasburg can stay healthy. Yeah, but they still have pretty much three holes in the rotation because they've, they've had a lot of guys fill in those holes the last couple Two, three seasons. Well, I'll say this. If if Corbin can be a solid starter for the Nats, that's good for them. I think he's a good fit there, but I still think he paid too much. I think the Yankees offered five years, 100 mil. I think that's the ballpark that I would throw in there instead of, uh, what is this, 23 a year? Is that what that yeah. is, 25? It's 23 20. and a third. Yeah, that I think 20 is around the ballpark I would offer. But nevertheless, that's a good rotation. I think the Nationals could easily compete without Harper, even though they had a bad year last year. You got Anthony Rendon. You have Jan Gomes coming over from the Indians. You have Trey Turner, Adam Eaton, uh, Victor Robles still coming up through the ranks. Ryan Michael Zimmerman. Taylor, Ryan Zimmerman. They, they, could, they could bring back Daniel, Daniel Murphy, Murphy if they I wanted. I was going to mention that. LeMahieu could fit there, too, if they wanted to go that route. I think this Nationals team is going to be good. I don't think they're better than the Braves. I don't think they're better positioned than the Braves. I do think they're the, better than the Mets. Unless they suffered the some injuries, hard. though, last year, did they not? They did. I mean, And they, they've added some bullpen arms, Bearclaw, Rosendahl. I would like to see Bryce Harper go back to Washington, if I'm being honest, because I think the NL East would be great. We'll talk about the NL Central soon with the big <clears> move today. That would be great. And in the West, um, pretty much the Dodgers and the Rockies can still do some stuff. Um but I think this is going to be a solid Nationals team. I think they'll be okay, even if Bryce doesn't come back. They didn't win anything with him. They could probably aren't going to win anything without him. I mean, they'll win games. I'm not. I'm talking about the postseason, uh, more like. But that's where we shift over to the Harper Machado updates. Not much movement. 
we they pretty much the last report to come out about Bryce Harper was something that we pretty much already knew, which was there's going to be a lot of teams meeting with him, meeting with his agent Scott Boris. Originally, it looked like there weren't going to be a lot, but now, well, I think a lot of teams are going to check in. I don't think I think there's only going to be like four or five serious uh, clubs about it. I think the serious teams for Bryce Harper are going to be the Yankees. I think it's going to be the Phillies. I think the Nationals will probably sit back. The Dodgers. Um, and then I think the Houston Astros could be somewhat of a dark horse in this uh, this whole thing because the Astros are the Astros are in an okay spot financially uh, because you know Correa Bregman uh, those guys are going to need to be re-signed at some point Springer Mets GM what's his name said that they're not going to be in play for Machado yeah, or Brody, Harper uh, Brody Van Wagenen um, yeah that's not surprising but I think there's going to be those teams are going to be serious players I think the team's lurking. Chicago White Sox, I think, I think they might go more the, uh, more the Machado route. I'm not sure that I think they'll be lurking for both. I think the Cubs are still going to be lurking. I think the Cardinals will be lurking still. Um, maybe the Atlanta Braves could be in the background, kind of <coughs> checking out. Um, Some of these teams might, like you know, try to check in and uh, maybe throw in some competitive offers and try to prevent their rivals from getting him. But uh, money, money talks. So the, the highest bidders are definitely, as we've discussed before, are definitely going to have a better shot. It, especially in this landscape, professional I even, sports I nowadays. I didn't even mention the Phillies. The Phillies will also beat on Bryce Harper. I That's a Phillies. fact. I don't know if I did. I think you did. Maybe I did. Yeah. You said I think I did. Yankees, Phillies, okay. Nationals. Because I think ultimately Harper or Machado, one of the two, is probably going to Philly. I'm not sure. On that, but we'll see. I mean, the Phillies um, they uh, they made that trade, um, but they you know there's been a lot of rumblings of how much money they have, and they might be a little stupid with it. So, well, they offered a seven year deal to Corbin, so that should tell you something. They're willing to go the extra mile to land one of these big guys. So, <clears throat> we'll talk about Machado a little bit here. Where do you think Machado best fits? Because I think it's the New York Yankees. I don't know what you think. I don't know. I feel like he fit pretty well with the Dodgers, but I think the Phillies, with all the young guys that they have uh, coming up, and they have now, you know, they they were third in the division or were they second last year. I mean, they they, they were playing like they were gonna, you know, compete in a wild card, and then they kind of, you know, fell off. You know, their team wasn't they could exactly need, there. They could definitely but, get another starter next to Aaron Nola, which I, I think they'll get. But I, I think that. Uh, I think it's the Phillies, then the Yankees, but I, I think the Dodgers are also a good fit. You know, he, he fits pretty much. The, the problem, though, for the Dodgers. I mean, he could play short or third, so he fits you could, with a lot of teams. You could bring back Brian Dozier for cheap. You have Corey Seager coming back. Why not pursue Bryce Harper? Because they have outfielders, right? You, I know you said they have a, a, a huge amount of outfielders um, <laughs> Yeah. on their roster. Those guys are utility types. Like, Bellinger can play first base. Muncy, but where would you put Puig with that arm? In left field. I mean, I guess you could always put Harper in center and put Ballinger first. Could you not just trade Yasiel Puig? Do you? Why would you let Yas? I mean, he's good, but he's not that. Would you really just put him as the re? That's like the Cardinals putting Dexter Fowler as a reason for not going after Harper, which isn't exactly what they're doing. Oh, Puig has produced more the last two seasons. Yeah. I mean, the the Dodgers. They do, it, it is true that they have a lot of versatility with their players, like yeah. Bellinger and Chris uh, Taylor. Yeah, Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez. Yeah, they have like three. Austin they have Barnes. three like three 
probably. They have about five guys who can play multiple positions. Three elite ones, yeah. But uh, and then, I mean, there have there's been talks about the Yankees and Dodgers, you know, coming close to the luxury tax threshold. But I mean, when it's a guy like Harper, I mean, they probably throw that out the window, and they'll take the penalty over. See, here's why I think not. Here's why I think Machado <laughs> fits best with the Yankees. Here, here is my reasoning. Didi Gregorius, they don't. I doubt they'll have him back until August. I believe they said next year. When you get him back. You can still have him in the lineup. You can convince either Machado to play third or Didi to play third. Miguel Andujar is not a good defensive player at all. You could just move him for some pitching, and then you're in a pretty good spot right there. So you go in with an infield of probably Luke Boyd at first. Um, Glaber, Are, is, is, Torres. is Torres going to be second from here on out? I mean, I he was shortstop premier prospect. Yeah, I think he'll play second. Machado at short, Didi at, or Andujar at third, and then... You can trade Andy Har for pieces, or you could trade Didi if you really wanted to. I mean, it's a lot of things the Yankees are doing. I think Machado would be a great fit there. Um, I think he'd hit well in that ballpark. I think he hits well in that division. Uh, the reason I don't say the Phillies is mainly because you're gonna unless they've, got, you're, they've gotten rid of Car or they got rid of Crawford, but they got uh, Segura. Yeah, and then I mean if. You, the, the way that, that works out is if you put Segura at second base or third base. You've got Cesar Hernandez. Cesar Hernandez is also very they good. They still have Michael Franco, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could get away with just trading him. I don't think he's a starting third baseman. But the one way to do that, to get around this, is to put Segura or Machado at third. Yeah. It's no it's no secret that Machado is a better defensive player at third base. Um, but he wants if you to can play convince, shortstop. If you can convince Machado to play third. I think he deep down knows his his values at third base. If you put him there, you could put Scott Kingery in left field. Segura plays short. Uh, Hernandez plays second. You have uh, Hoskins at first. You have Herrera in center. Nick Williams in right. You're pretty set. Catcher. They had Wilson Ramos. Uh, I don't know if he's going to – he hasn't signed anywhere, has he? Robinson Torino's signed uh, with the Astros. But, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, catcher is a, the hole for and a And then, of you know what else I'm doing if I'm the Phillies front office? You call Mr. Farhan Zaidi, the new president of baseball operations. And for ask the what they want for Bum. Mad, Madison Bumgarner. You try to get him. You put him next to Aaron Nola. Whew. Phillies and Braves, that would be a very fun we're, we're looking at there's a chance that there's four competitive teams in the NL East. The Phillies, the Braves, the Nationals, and the Mets. The Nationals and the Mets are the iffy ones. I do think the Nationals will compete with healthy pitching, but um, the Mets could be very well positioned as well. Uh, moving right along here, looking forward to the Las Vegas winter meetings starting December 9th this Sunday, running until next Friday, December 13th. And uh, we're going to go over some bold predictions. I'll start with my first one. Almost every free agent of value of some sort is going to be signed at the winter meetings. We'll probably leave the winter meetings with a couple of big ones still that haven't been signed. This I'm saying this is bold because last year there was like nobody. The winter meetings was boring. It was more about trades than anything else. I think Machado signs at the winter meetings. I don't. I don't. I don't think Bryce Harper does unless he gets an overwhelming offer from a team he sees a good fit in uh, with contention. I don't think Bryce signs there, but I think a lot of starting pitchers are going to go. Uh, we do have reports that Nathan Eovaldi is close to going back to Boston. 
Dallas Keuchel, Charlie Morton, those guys still on the market as well. Um, Michael Brantley, another guy that's on the market. A lot of relievers, Kimbrell, Britton, Miller, boom, boom, boom. A lot of guys <clears throat> on the market, and I think a lot of those guys are going to be gone to new teams during the winter meetings. I think we're going to see a lot of action. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, a ton of free agents still in the market. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of them are going to be signed uh, either during or after, possibly before the winter meetings. Probably you, we, we might see some, some trades happening as well. Uh, I don't really have any bold predictions, but, uh, I mean... If I if I had to say so, I think that Harper signs big after the winter meetings. After the teams, the representatives have met with his representatives, something will be worked out before the end of the year. I don't know about that because I think industry speculation is that Boris doesn't think Harper is signing until January. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but uh, we'll move right along here. Let's talk about the Mets offseason. Uh, well, I, I uh, sorry. I feel like there's uh there's been some uh you know the market has been dipped into uh we've seen what Corbin has gone for we haven't really had the some, outfielder market some though. trades yeah I mean not so much there but I do we th- really think Bryce Harper's gonna set the market I think the market will be set for him I, I'm just saying that there's a there's a threshold and we won't see a lot of players holding out until spring training like we did last it's year it's not gonna happen because there's way more talent on the free agent market than there the best guys. The best position player was, what, J.D. Martinez? I mean, he had a great year, but he wasn't thought as highly of last year as he is now, and he's not a good fielder at all. So when you have two guys that are 26 years old, remember, J.D.'s not 26. They're both good fielders. Machado's a great fielder. Uh, Harper's a good fielder with a great arm. There's too much talent for that to happen. So let's move forward to the Mets offseason. I'm imagining that Noah Syndergaard's going to stay. Uh, Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, Carlos Grasco, interesting names. The Indians could be engaged in trade talks with the Mets for a starting pitcher. And then JT Real Muto. The Mets offseason, what do you think so far on uh, what BVW, the old agent for Jacob deGrom, Brody Van Wagenen, the new GM of the Mets, and trying to get them to contend next year, and even throwing the likes of Ahmed Rosario in a potential JT Real Muto deal. Your thoughts? Well, I mean... What what a lot of teams do, a lot a lot of GMs, they're banking on that the team's going to stay healthy. And I mean, in the Mets case, that is a uh, sort of a bold prediction because they've had injuries with Syndergaard, uh, Conforto, Cespedes, uh, and the like. But uh, I I think that they they do have the pieces there, uh, along with the additions that they could contend, you know, possibly for the NL East, but more so maybe for the wild card. But I think that, uh, like we saw the asking price recently, the Marlins want for Real Muto from the Mets, and it's uh, outfielder Conforto and shortstop Ahmed Rosario, which is a big asking price. But the Mets do have a hole at catcher, um, and th- I mean they have other p- other you know players that they could throw in, you know, at shortstop and center or right field. I mean they lost Jay Bruce, but. Um, they, they still have uh, – They didn't lose Jay Bruce. They traded him just for the record, I mean. Whatever. <laughs> well, who could they put at shortstop if after if they trade Rosario, though? They don't have a Struble Cabrera. I mean, they still have Jose Reyes, right? 
Oh boy, I'm sure they're going to run at the idea of having a left side of the infield of uh, Todd Frazier and Jose Reyes. But I mean, if they get Jeff Real Muto. Good at second. If they do get JT, I'm sure they're going to have to give up at Robinson least. Robinson Cano, second. Well, Jeff McNeil, can he play short? If he could, that would be uh, rather lit for the Mets fans. <laughs> uh, let's go right along. We're trying to scroll. But but, but I mean, they have, they're have they banking on the health. And, I mean, like most teams do, they have the pieces there. They're still adding. They could be contending. I think they're an 85-win team at best. I'm, I'm I mean, they, they, they could be wild card contenders. I doubt it. I think the NL is too talented. I think they'll be a top five wild card contender, maybe top uh, six. Maybe they'll surprise some people, but maybe they need to up the ante Let's on the bullpen. Let's not forget how many division games you play, and they're going to have three teams in their division. That they don't, uh, they don't have Familia them. anymore. Uh, Traded him to Oakland, yep. Who, who's their closer? Good question. They still have A.J. Ramos? I mean, yes. they, they might need to add a couple arms. I don't know if they're going to uh, – are they going to bring back Jerry Blevins? You know? <clears throat> I see him as a fit in St. Louis. Matt Harvey. Okay, that's a little too much. Um, <laughs> let's go right along. And probably the biggest deal of the offseason so far, probably by far, involving a star player. Paul Goldschmidt is headed to the St. Louis Cardinals for Luke Weaver, Carson Kelly, uh, what? Okay, Andy Young, and a competitive balance B, round B draft pick. Which they say is 70 to 77. Number pick? Wow, I think they have seven of the top 70 or eight of the top 70 picks or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, I think we've said this on the show before. We're both St. Louis, you know, people, Cardinal fans. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Paul Goldschmidt deal? I mean, I was pleasantly surprised at, I guess it's after looking back, like when you first see it, they didn't give up. That much because I mean we weren't very high on Carson Fleece Kelly or Luke Weaver, say. but I guess it's more understandable when there's only one year control on Donald or uh, Cole Schmidt, and there's going to be the uh, the issue, the challenge of convincing him to resign. But I I really like it. Love it as a Cardinal fan. I mean that that's that impact bat middle of the order that there we haven't had since uh, sorry the Cardinals haven't had since Pujols. <laughs> you, you, you pencil him in at three, but. Well, yeah, Matt Holiday was comparable, but I uh, I like it. Well, I'm going to lead it like this. I think there's probably a 70-30 chance right now on whether they can extend Goldschmidt. I think a lot of people are saying he's going to love St. Louis. I agree. I think if he has a good year there, I see a good chance of bringing him back in to finish his career as a Cardinal, hopefully. Um, but I absolutely love this deal. I think this is easily probably the best deal uh, that this front office has made in the last five years. By you know, far. he's been around the block. He's no... Uh, it's not his first rodeo. He's a, he's a veteran, and the Cardinals have a lot of young guys, so I think that this is kind of the, – the, they talk about how he is on and off the field. Well, I think that the kind of player and the kind of person that he is will heavily influence and impact the Cardinals' uh, clubhouse. And I think Mike Schilt works good with these players, and it, it's going to be a good good times. It's going to be sunny over in St. Louis. Okay. That was a weird way to put it. I'll tell you this, the corner of their infield are two professional hitters, for one. Matt Carpenter's a professional hitter. He's a good hitter. He's fairly consistent. They're going to have a lot of production on the corners. And then at shortstop, you you, you think that DeYoung's going to have a good amount of home runs. Colton Wong, he, he can surprise you, get some hits here and there. He's a good defensive player. 
Left field, you have Marcelo Zuno. A lot of people are banking on having a good year uh, with his shoulder being fixed and whatnot, which was a huge issue. Last year, they're pretty much making Harrison Bader their poster boy for everything. Uh, one of the best defensive center fielders already, probably top five in the defensive category. If he can hit, you're in a good spot. I don't know if Jose Martinez is on the team at the beginning of next year in right field, but you're probably going to have Dexter Fowler and Tyler O'Neill out there. O'Neill's going to be a stud, I think. Um, overall, he's a great player. Um, I mean, there's always the chance that once Fowler's back from the injury, he could still have an impact. Yeah, that's true, but my problem is I don't know where he fits in the lineup. I don't think – I feel like he's like a seven. I mean, he, he could bat second, yeah. I mean, because he, he still has the – you know, when we, they first got him, talked about either him first, Carpenter second, or vice versa, the on-base skills, you know, getting on for the three, four-hole hitters. There's still the uh, opportunity for that if if indeed he gets healthy and can be the kind of on-base guy that he was. I would say Carpenter, Fowler, Goldschmidt, uh, Ozuna. I think Molina should bat six. I think they might bat him fifth. I don't know. I'd say DeYoung fifth, uh, Molina six, Bader seven, Wong eight in the pitcher spot. And then I think Jose Martinez, you could slot him right into the two spot. And then I think when Tyler O'Neill plays, maybe try DeYoung batting second. Or Yachty. Or Yachty, either one. But the, I think they making this move, okay, a lot of Cardinal fans, I you know I follow a lot of them on Twitter. I would know what they think. They're going to still want Bryce Harper. I'm going to say right now, I doubt, I highly doubt they get Bryce Harper now. I just don't think that they're uh, going to want to make another 30, huge 30, 70. There's other things to focus on other than Bryce Harper. Like the bullpen was a big issue last year. You get a couple impact relievers. You put yourself in a very good spot. Uh, in that regard, you get a, a nice bench bat. You maybe bring back... Matt Adams, I know Harper's that big superstar, that face of baseball that you could need. I just don't see it happening. I think it would be fantastic. I think they'd benefit a lot from it. I just don't see it happening. Um, where do you stand on the Harper St. Louis stuff? I mean, any Cardinal fan is going to want him. Uh, but you got to be realistic. You got to look at the facts. Uh, there's been half the teams have had representatives meet with his guys. And. We, we know the Cardinals have money, but the Yankees and the Phillies and the Dodgers probably have more. So it's going to come down to the biggest contract. And I, I know that uh, <clears throat> I think it was Bill DeWitt Jr. talked about how, you know, it's one thing to try to explain to a player the atmosphere, the ball club, the history and everything. But and it's another thing for them to actually experience it and have that like, I guess it's the kind of thing that would be easier if it's like a one-year, like Goldschmidt, he experiences it, and then he gets to decide to, you know, to sign. But without actually experiencing it, being an opposing player might have a little effect, but without actually experiencing the whole package, it's tough for them to sell St. Louis to a guy like Harper. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't think Harper goes there. I think Harper ends up probably... Yankees, Phillies, Dodgers, you can name them. I don't know. Uh, but let's move forward here. We're going to do the last I had one games. final thought on uh, Goldschmidt. Real quick. Uh, in, in the notes, it talks about how does much better does Goldie make the Cardinals. I think that a lot of people, they see that, that he's that impact bat, like we were talking about, you know, that big bat, that three-hole hitter. But I think that 
I mean, Goldschmidt's one of those underrated guys, you know, West Coaster, like Mike Trout. You know, a lot of people don't know who he is, how much of a superstar he actually yeah, is. Real quick. But, but by, wait, by a lot of people, you mean non-baseball fans. There's no baseball man that doesn't know who Mike Trout is. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about, like, in general, like like, like a popular. Why don't you uh, say that next time? But, uh, but one thing that's going to be overlooked uh, from probably not fans that aren't Cardinal fans is his, the immediate impact that his defense will have on the Cardinals. And the fact that he can steal bases. The Cardinals have never seen a first baseman that can do everything. Like Pujols was a good fielder in his prime, a fantastic hitter. He couldn't run. Goldschmidt can steal bases. I don't know if a lot of people knew this. Paul Goldschmidt stole 32 bases in 2016. 32 for a first baseman. He's a do-it-all player. He's a good guy. He's a good uh, representative of baseball. He, he represents... A lot of things that uh, baseball fans believe in. Um, I think he's a fantastic fit. I think the city's going to love him. I think he's going to love the city. And I think that uh, this is going to be a pretty good year for the Cardinals. I don't think it sets them over the Cubs and the Brewers just yet, but it puts them in a pretty good spot. But that but go, that defense, though, is what the Cardinals have been looking to improve. I did tweet earlier improve. that Wong and Goldschmidt on the right side of the infield is really, really good defensively. DeYoung's proven that he's a pretty good defender. Carpenter... He could probably make plays. I mean, his defensive run save was not – it was more so at first base, but it wasn't uh, – it was above average. DeYoung in 2017 was really good. Ozuna at won gold glove in 2017. Bader is looking to be a premier outfielder. Yeah. Fowler, he can play defense. I mean, we know Jose Martinez is not that great. O'Neal can play. But, I mean, the Cardinals, I think they – of course, you know Yachty can play ball time or two. Goldschmidt has three goals. But that gloves, de- the, the defense has definitely improved and, and the base running. And those and are the two things the they've been offense. looking at. Two things they've been looking at. Okay. Defense and base running. Okay, you're going to knock drinks <laughs> off the table. Um, last couple topics of the uh, podcast right now. We're going to go over the top five overall or top five all-around baseball players and then uh, the best overall player at each position. So first, top five all-around in baseball. I think we both agreed to this list. So we yep. have... Uh, number five, Francisco Lindor, shortstop for the Cleveland Indians. Obviously a stud. Uh, he can run. He can hit. He can field. Do it all. Uh, number four, Paul Goldschmidt of the St. Louis Cardinals. I put this together before Goldschmidt was on the um, Cardinals, just for the record. I'm not trying to act like I'm biased here, but he's but one I mean, of the most we talk, versatile. Yeah, we were talking about all around. We are talking about you know not just hitting, but also base running and I defense. I don't think we need to weight uh, the ability to steal bases as much on some of these guys. But I think it's important. Uh, you're about to sneeze. Okay. It's an impact. It's a it's a the kind of factor that can change directly change a game. Um. So, Goldschmidt can hit for power. He can hit for contact. He's hit for average his whole career. He can field. He has three gold gloves, and he can run bases. Um, number three, Nolan Arenado. Uh, he can't really run and steal bases as much, but he's one of the best third baseman fielders I've ever seen. And he's hit. I mean, the Coors factor comes into play. But if I'm going to pick a third baseman that's all around, I'm picking Nolan Arenado. I'm not going to pick Alex Bregman. They're close, but I'm picking Arenado. Uh, number two and one are just undisputed easily. Mike Trout is number one, and Mookie Betts is number two. Um, they're both just fantastic. In I mean, every they they were showing the uh, the top since 2012, the, the top wins above replacement. And Trout was... You know, Goldschmidt was second at like thirty nine point whatever. The Trout was like had sixty four. He was way above the rest. He had yeah. Donaldson in there, maybe. Uh, I don't know who Cano else. Cano was in there and someone else. I don't know. 
But uh, so no disputes on this one. I think Baez, Bregman, and Yelich are three guys that are right behind these guys and close. But uh, no disputes. Jose Ramirez as well, by the way. Yeah. He kind of yeah. lacks the defense. But so Trout, Betts, wow. <laughs> Trout, Betts, Arenado, Goldschmidt, Lindor is our top five. Whatever platform you're watching on, if you can leave a comment or tweet us at Podcast Diamond, tweet me at EDC Films 99, tweet him at uh, the John Carter. Let us know uh, what your thoughts are on that. And now we go to the best overall at each position. Then we let the podcast go. Then we'll be back next week for a special winter meetings edition on December 12th. Next Thursday, whatever day that is. 13th. Okay, well, <laughs> here we go. Catcher, JT Real Muto. Who do you have? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a tough one, but I went with Real Muto as well. Great defense can hit. First base, Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, I mean, uh, Freddie Freeman kind of comes on up there, but uh, Goldschmidt, I think, I think, takes it. Votto's a pretty good defensive player, and he hits. He just doesn't have the power. Second base, Javier Baez. You know, I'm going to have to disagree with you here. Uh, I think that since last year, the injury bug got him. A lot of people overlook him. But Jose Altuve, I think he's still an elite player. Uh he, Not going to lie, Chief, kind of forgot about him. He can hit, <laughs> he can run, he can field. He is like, he's the heart and soul of the Astros, pretty much. I mean, I'm you add put, in Correa and Al- Springer. Altuve slash Baez. Sorry, Astros fans. Apologies. Shortstop, Francisco Lindor. I, I think it can also be said that Baez might play better defense elsewhere. Short? Shortstop, maybe third. Shortstop, though, yes. Best overall player who can play multiple positions on the infield is Javier Baez. There we go. And then second base is Altuve. Third slash short slash second, that that uh, category, is Baez. Third base, Nolan Arenado. I believe you have Arenado on yours. And then outfield, Yelich, Trout, Betts. We agree on all that. So we yeah. agreed on everything pretty much. I mean, I had Baez a second. I mean, especially, especially after last year, you know, the, the complete breakout year of Betts and Yelich. The two MVPs, yes? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they pretty much cemented their spots as the best at the corner outfield. That's the weird part about the outfield. You have the corner outfielders and Yelich and best. Then you have the guy in the middle who's like his own type of MVP. Like, unreal. Um, but, yeah, that's going to do it for Episode 6 of the podcast, uh, the Diamond Discussions Podcast. We hope to have guests uh, on here with us over the next few weeks. We hope you guys do enjoy the episode. Make sure to listen to it. Share it with your pals, your buddies, your guys, your friends. Um Friends, family, you know, it's a nice little, you know, you're going to be uh, around family a lot this holiday season. You could uh, introduce them to some conversation starters, some, some baseball talk, some uh, discussions, some hot stove. And maybe since we're St. Louis people, maybe we try to get uh, one of the Cardinal beat writers on next week to talk about the offseason. But we'll see what happens. Uh, we hope you guys did enjoy, like I said, the Diamond Discussions podcast episode number six. Uh, make sure to like and share. Thanks, guys. Share it on all the platforms. Follow us on social media. At Podcast Diamond is the Diamond Discussions. Uh, Twitter, at EDC Films 99 is mine. At the John Carter is his. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you for Episode 7 next week. You have a great week. You pay attention to MLB Network, all the hot stove stuff, and you check out all the news on Twitter. We'll see you next time, everybody. <laughs>